Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hey there, and welcome back. It's Lisa Leitner again, and today's topic is IEEs, or Independent Education Evaluations. Um, I actually do not have a separate blog post on this just yet. I'm working on one. I used to, and a long and not so interesting story, which I will abbreviate. Um, The blogging world has just kind of changed, and there was a school of thought a few years ago that you shouldn't have so many short posts that you should really thoroughly explain a topic in one post. So I combined all of my blog posts about IEP evaluations and um, including IEEs and put that into one super long post. Now the school of thought has changed back and they're like, no, 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 you shouldn't, you really shouldn't do that. You should, um, for the user and reader experience, you want to give them the information that they're looking for and not make them weed through thousands of words. So it's on my to-do list to separate that post out again, but for the moment I haven't done it. Um, but IEEs, these are explained in procedural safeguards. If you haven't read your procedural safeguards, please do so. Um, but it's in there and there is a lot of misinformation out there about IEEs. And I'm going to go over the two main points of, of misunderstandings by parents. The first is that you have a right to an IEE as a parent. It's your right to get an IEE. That gets screamed in our group at least once a month. And that is not true. You do not have a right to an IEE. You have the right to ask for one. Um, But as with many other things, it's a team decision. And more often than not, I find the team minus the parent, says, no, you are not getting an IEE. So it is not, um, it's not your right to get one. It is your right to ask for one. If you ask for one, depending on what state you're in, most states, the burden of proof is on the parent or the burden of proof is on the party who is asking for something. So if you ask for it, you have to prove that it's needed. Um, There are several reasons why you would want to ask for an IEE. Um, The most common one is that you disagree with the district's 
evaluation. You disagree with their findings, so you want an independent evaluator. From there, you need to kind of dig a little bit deeper, and you're going to have to say why you disagree with them. Um, you might be able to show that their evaluation was incomplete. They may have used outdated testing methods. They may have used outdated data. So if they did not evaluate your child, say it's your three-year reeval time, and they didn't reevaluate re your child, um, they did one of those, oh, we're going to just review existing data. Um, you can say, well, it's not current data, so I don't agree with it. Just make sure that you didn't sign that you do agree with that method um, at the time of permission to evaluate. So you disagree with them. If they refuse to do an evaluation, you can ask for an IEE. You can certainly question their qualified evaluators. And is that person qualified to give that specific evaluation? Um, another one is the type of evaluation and the protocol because if we suspect that let's say you suspect that your child has a certain disability I guess what I'm saying is not you know there's all these different you know there's a Wyatt and a Whisk and a this and a that and an ADOS and there's so many there's literally thousands of different evaluations that school psychologists and other professionals use to evaluate our kids. Each one has a very specific testing protocol. So you want to make sure that the protocol or that the test itself is calibrated for a child with an intellectual disability or is it calibrated for a child with autism? Is it calibrated for a child who struggles with reading or writing or you know, on and on and on. Um, if the child is nonverbal or they're blind, any of those things, you want to make sure that um, the evaluation that they used for your child is appropriate for your child because that can change the results. Um, and those are some of the reasons that you might ask for an independent eval. Now, if the school refuses, you ask for an independent eval, you always do it in writing, like everything else you do, you do it in writing. <clears throat> if they're going to say no, they are going to file for due process. Yes, they are. They're required to. So let that sink in a minute because... Parents don't often know that, and so you have to kind of be three steps ahead in your thinking. Because if you ask for an independent eval, and they say no, and they file for due process, you really only have a matter of days to think about what you're going to do. Are you going to go to due process? And something like, if you have... Um, First of all, if you go to due process 
and you represent yourself, which is called pro se. And you, you're going to do pro se because you cannot afford an attorney or you don't want to pay for an attorney. Um, for the most part, I never recommend that parents do that, at least not where I live. Um, everybody here is very savvy in due process. Um, everybody around here knows someone who's gone through due process. Nobody's really afraid of due process here like they are in some other states where it's not as common. Um, so around here, everybody's just very savvy. There are huge law firms, both for parents and school districts, to handle due process. And the um, success rate of parents representing themselves is in the very low single digits. So I don't often recommend that you do this on your own. I would say the one of the very few exceptions is when you're requesting an IEE and the school says no. If you have some really cut and dry black and white data that says why your child needs an IEE and why the school district's evaluation or refusal to do an evaluation um, is wrong. That would be the one exception because it's not – you're not going to get into necessarily a whole bunch of stuff with expert witnesses and things like that, if that makes sense. But anyway, if you ask for an IEE, the school district is very likely to say no, and then they're going to file for due process, and you're only going to have a few days to decide what you're going to do. And of course, what happens is parents get kind of shocked. They get kind of scared, like, oh my God, the school filed for due process. I'm not prepared for this. Never mind. I don't want the IEE. And they withdraw the request. They back down and the school or the child continues to struggle. So you have to be thought out before you even ask for it. And be prepared for them to say no and be prepared to receive that PWN that says, yeah, we're saying no on the IEE and by the way, we filed for due process because you're going to have to decide what you want to do. Another common response from parents besides backing down and saying, no, 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 never mind, we're not going to do it, is, you know, hey, I can spend thousands on an attorney to do this, or I can spend thousands and just pay for the IEE myself. In some cases, not often, but um, sometimes parents can get insurance to pay for these evaluations. So they say, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. And that is certainly your right to do that. Um, but just know that these are not golden tickets. Um, IEE reports, and I've read dozens and dozens of them. Um, they're fantastic, by the way. If you ever get one on your child and it's a good one, like, it's just... Um, I've had so many parents say to me uh, after they got their child an extensive um, neuropsych or an extensive psychoeducational eval that, um, like, just, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever seen my child accurately and thoroughly described on paper. Um, if, I mean, they're just, they can just be so wonderful. That being said, they are not your golden ticket. You cannot just hand them to the school 
and that they're going to love it. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing this. And yes, we're going to implement these three pages of recommendations because a neuropsych, the ones I've seen, I mean, some of them are upwards of 50, 60, 70 pages because of the extensive testing that they do. Then they do the, they list those results. They give you extensive explanation of the results. And then they will give you several pages of recommendations based on the results. However, um, IDEA states that a school district only has to consider the information presented to them by outside evaluations. And I'm saying consider, even though I'm on a podcast, I'm using air quotes um, for that word consider. Because I have seen many times when a parent gets an IEE done and they gave it to the school, gave them a copy, and the school's like, yep, great, we considered it, we're not doing any of that. And you still have to go through the process as far as asking for an IEP meeting to discuss these concerns and to discuss adding these items to your child's IEP. And they can still refuse all along the way, and they often do. Um, It's still a good thing to have, particularly if, um, if you're an evaluator, if you can pay them a little bit more to either come to an IEP meeting or worst case scenario, you are ending up paying for them to testify at due process. Um, it's going to strengthen your case. But getting one and just having the report, like I said, it's not a slam dunk. It's not a guarantee that they're going to do it all. They can still often say no. And they still often do. Unfortunately, um, if they say yes, they say, yes, we will, we will do this IEE for you. Here's a list of evaluators to choose from. They have to give you a list of evaluators. You do not have to choose from that list of evaluators. You can choose whoever you want. It's again, it's the whole independent thing. And this is one of the reasons why you need to possibly just really network with families in your area or consider getting a good advocate who is in touch and knows the landscape and the special ed climate in your area because there absolutely are independent evaluators who work for school districts again and again and again and will very likely find what the school district wants them to find. So that's not all of them. That doesn't mean if you pick one from their list, that is definitely going to happen, but it can happen. And you do not have to pick from their list. I've also heard, um, one of the other gaslighting things I heard was that the independent evaluator must never have met the child before. And that's not true. Um, There's just, there's a lot of crazy rumors and misinformation that goes around about IEEs. 
So you just want to be aware. Um, know your evaluators. Know your district. Again, be ready for due process if that's what you're going to do. Um, it sucks that we have to be on the defensive and it sucks that we have to like, you know, we just want someone, we just want someone, we just want our cheat child's needs met. And that's what makes me crazy. It's like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get my kid the services he needs to access his education. Why does it have to be so hard? Why do you have to, you know, it sucks that we have to do this, but it is what it is. And it's just better to know and be prepared rather than just be surprised and thinking that you have a right to an IEE um, and then you go in and ask for one and three days later you have a due process notice in your mailbox. Um, you just you, you want to know ahead of time so you're prepared. Um, think of anything else I missed with IEEs. I don't think I have. Um, you can only ask for one per instance, incident, or let's say you thought your child has dyslexia school doesn't eval and they say nope no dyslexia no reading disability so you ask for an IEE you get one they say yeah you can you can do an IEE you get one you choose the evaluator and the evaluator says yeah I'm, I'm not I, I do not think that this child has dyslexia you cannot ask for another one that's it you've you've asked. So again, that's why it's so important to know your evaluators and know the lay of the land um, and know what you're getting into before you hire someone. A good eval, I did a feeding eval on my son once and it was one hour. I, I think I did a questionnaire online ahead of time and we were at the facility for an hour and it was like $300. And then I've heard of neuropsychs that are upwards of $7,000 and everywhere in between. So, you know, I think $300 is a lot of money. I think $7,000 is an awful lot of money. So you want to know what you're, know what you're doing before you commit to paying for it yourself. Um, and as always, check us out on the Facebook group. I will have a blog post on IEEs coming up shortly so you can be on the lookout for it and in the meantime good luck thanks thanks for listening to the don't iep alone podcast no parent should have to iep alone and with a day in our shoes you don't have to for more iep assistance and letter templates visit a day in our for ongoing assistance and support follow our facebook page and group
Wait. 